real business owners. What's up, everybody? This is Kale Goodman, and I got my tr- partner, Trevor Cowley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's number episode or episode number six of Real Business Owners, and today we've got a real business owner joining us, uh, Danny Blue. What's up? What's up? I've uh, I feel very fortunate to be here in this fancy office. The mics, the video camera. It's a rented office, bro. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're just renting it for like two hours, and then we got to get out. Well, let's go rent. We let's rented it for you because you're special. Let's go in the rented Lamborghini and go grab some lunch. Let's do it. Let's take pictures for Instagram too, so that yes. we can look like we're doing it up real yes. big. We have to do that. Isn't that what everybody does? That's what we. If we were in Vegas, we could <laughs> yeah, do a lot exactly. easier. Oh, Not yeah. up here in St. George, but uh, I know Danny's a real business owner because we've done business together for many years. He's also a fellow brother in the Arate movement. And, uh, man, I'm excited to have you on the show, dude. Yeah, thank you, thank for, you for, uh, for having us or having me. And I was like I was asking you guys, we had an Arate member on here, and the answer was no. So I'm excited to make some history with you, gentlemen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're excited to have you. And, guys, just so that you know, um, Danny does own a company called Quest Education. And if you could tell him just a little bit about your business and – you know, what it is that you do and, and how you bring value to people. Yeah, so Quest Education solves a really big problem in the marketplace. So people, there's trillions of dollars that's in IRAs and 401ks, and people have the the thought that if they touch this money, they're going to pay penalties and taxes. They're going to get nailed by the IRS. But they're not aware is they can actually roll that money over into a self-directed account so then they could use that money to access without paying the penalties you know maybe they want to use that money to invest into a business or pay off some high interest rate debt or maybe they need working capital so it's just really helping them understand that uh, there's other options for retirement accounts especially if you're a business owner so our company caters to people that are 1099 uh, self-employed llc some kind of side hustle and we just are here to uh, shed light on some strategies that are not talked about because the financial advisors, the big financial companies, they don't want you to know about this. Yeah, they don't want you to pull money out of an account that they ultimately make money off of annually. Yep. But you want them to know that it is their money, they do have access to it, and there's proper ways to go about getting access to their money. And is that why it's Quest Education? Is because it's more of an educational process in terms of how to access your money? One hundred percent. You know, okay. we, we don't sell investments. We don't give financial advice. We're just here to provide. Um, the public, the education that's out there, it's just not talked about. So it's just really simple IRS code. The IRS, they're the ones that really put together the rules for 401ks and IRAs. They say what you can and can't do. And we're just here to bring that information to the surface. And uh, one thing I've realized is it's just not talked about. And they're like, just trying to bury it, basically. Oh yeah, right? I, I, they, they want your money in the market and they want to make money off of your money. But you want to help people get access to their money if they're paying 15 or 20 percent interest on credit cards rather than paying 15 or 20 percent interest on credit cards they can go through somebody like you that could teach them how to access some of their money that they have available to them and basically borrow money to themselves to pay off maybe some high interest loans or like you said you know get access to working capital for their business and then what's the process of I guess, getting access to the money and, and, and getting it back into that account. You, they have to set up like a structured payment plan. Well, there's two ways. There, You could take a loan from a solo 401k where it's a five-year term. Okay. And you do pay yourself back over five years at a 7.5% interest rate. That 7.5% is fixed. It goes right back into the, the solo so 401k. So you don't set your own interest rate? It's, it has it's, to it's be... prime plus two. So whatever okay. prime is at, plus two. So as okay. we're doing this podcast right now, 
it's uh, it's about seven and a half percent is the interest rate on a solo 401k loan um, so that's one way to do it another way is you can just actually set up a self-directed 401k with a c-corp it's called the rob's plan um, so we had a customer here recently they needed two hundred thousand dollars to invest into their business and they didn't want to have a loan on their 401k so they just set up this self-directed 401k with the c-corp where the money gets rolled over into the self-directed 401k then that money goes into the C-Corp business bank account, and now this guy has checks that he can so just as lo- write. So as long as it's set, if that money goes from you know an investment account or managed account over to a C-Corp, it doesn't get taxed? Correct. This plan is called a ROBS plan, a mm-hmm. rollover business startup plan. So this is really popular for people that need six figures for a business, maybe like a franchise. What happens, let's say, for instance, somebody rolls money over to a C-Corp do they have to keep it a C-Corp for X amount of years or the following year could they elect, you know, a different entity type for their business if it's more tax friendly for they, them? They could, they could switch it up if they wanted to have another entity. They could add that in the picture. But as long as they keep that self-directed 401k, that Rob's plan, the C-Corp still has to remain in the picture. Gotcha. Cool. Where, does, where does the actual interest go? It goes right back in their 401k. So you're paying your interest back to yourself, right? That's where yeah. a lot of people yeah. actually get confused. Because yeah. I know you've worked with some yeah. of our clients yeah. even. You know, they're like, hey, man, I need to do something with this. They have questions on the difference yeah. between SEP IRAs versus solo 401ks. And it is true, man. Hardly anyone's ever heard of the solo 401k, but there's so many more advantages to it than like a SEP IRA. Yeah. I mean, uh, a SEP IRA and a solo 401k have similar contribution limits. You know, you mm-hmm. can put in over 50000 a year. But the big difference is that an IRA has no loan feature. Yeah, so I can't exactly. take money out of an IRA without getting penalized. A solo 401k, I can. Yeah. And that, to your point, Trevor, is why the solo 401k isn't really talked about. Because if these big financial companies were talking about a solo 401k, all of a sudden now they're giving their clients the opportunity to yank out $50,000 whenever they want. And as you alluded to earlier, that's not what's in the best interest of them. They make money based off of assets under management, right? They're making 1%, 2%. So do you think that industry is a little tainted because they're not putting the customer first and they're putting themselves first and trying to hold on to your money for as long as they possibly can to line their own pockets? Yeah, I mean, think about it. They're an investment company. So their ultimate goal is to get your money in In mutual funds, stocks, right? And yeah, absolutely. They want to be able to make their 1% or 2% a year. And if they're managing $100 million, right, 1%, do the math, you know, it's a million, $2 million a year that they're just rolling in. They don't want that money to go. Yeah, so that's true. They're there mm-hmm. to sell investments. They're there to push products, and that's the opposite of what we do. We don't sell investments. We sell the vehicle. The vehicle mm-hmm. is the 401k. The vehicle is the IRA. And people have the right. They should know what vehicles are, are out there, and they just don't. I love that, man. I love having people like you uh, a part of our network, dude. I mean, if anybody listening to this is like has having questions in their, you know, financial plan or or anything, I mean, definitely Danny's a guy to reach out to. I've sent friends to him. I've sent clients to him. Um, So definitely reach out to to Quest Education for any of your needs in that area. But dude, you know what I love about having people like you on the show is like you do care. You're an entrepreneur. You care about your clients. And I think a lot of that is because of like, dude, your upbringing, the struggles you've went through, uh, you started in sales. Like I know a little bit of your story and and that's what I want to share with some of these guys because that's what we like to bring in the show is 
you're a real business owner, dude. You've got a real uh, awesome story coming up to where you're at right now. And, dude, I think that's some of the stuff we want to share is kind of your background yeah. and how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah, so. Back, background's important because people need to understand that it's you don't have to necessarily come from a specific background or have a certain education level or, you know, there, there's not one straight line path to entrepreneurship or bus- becoming a business owner. You know, it comes in all shapes, sizes, and backgrounds, right? And so if you will, tell us just a little bit about how you grew up. You know, was it just a normal childhood, you know, middle class? Was it lower class? Was it higher class? Tell us a little bit about your your upbringing. Yeah, and and I like that you bring that up because we were just talking about this off air. You know, a lot of people think that to be a business owner, you either need to come for money or you had to have been 11 years old, 12 years old, selling lemonade, yeah. you know, selling, you know, sports cards. That so it had to be in your it, DNA exactly. ever since you were two years and, old. And, or you know, something. I think a lot of yeah. people listen to Gary Vee probably feel that way, right? Because Gary yeah. Vee's always talking about, I was a kid, I grabbed my neighbor's flowers, and then I sold it to, you know, my other neighbor, yeah. right? Um, but that's not the case for everyone. I know yeah. people listening to this right now, they probably didn't come from that background, yeah. right? So for me, um, I grew up middle class. Uh, my dad was a uh, immigration, um, paralegal, divorce uh, attorney. Um, he, he serviced the Mexican community in a town called Oceanside, California. My mom was a social worker. Um, so we were, we were middle class. And uh, I never had dreams of owning a business. You know, for me, um, I played soccer. So I always had a dream of playing, you know, professional soccer. We all have that dream, right? I want to be a professional basketball player, baseball yeah. player. Probably never going to work out, right? Yeah. But we, we, we like to think it does. <laughs> no, we don't mean to kill anybody's yeah. dreams or anything. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and pursue it. But, yeah, for, you know, the likelihood is not For high. sure, for sure. I will say playing sports, though, I use a lot of the same principles today, right? I, I think playing on a team, it it, it creates habits and um, character, you know, characters, characteristics of a business owner, right? You need to learn how to lead people. Um, I was never the best on the team. But I was always the captain. Yeah, right? I just naturally fit that role. And uh, the discipline that it takes to show up to practice every day sure. on the days that you don't feel like going to practice. 100%. You know, the traveling that it takes to travel to tournaments or this, that, you know, all of the same stuff that you're still doing now. The discipline of having to show up on the days you don't feel like it to the office, the traveling that you do to be in some of the groups and some of the networks that you're a part of. And, uh, you know, being able to be a leader and, and play nice with others, right? When you're on a team and everybody's got their own role. I, I see a huge correlation between sports and business. Oh, yeah. So that's awesome. That 100%. You that I mean, because you can be a really good player on the court, but at the end of the day, are you making your team better? Are you making other people better, right? Because Are you, you trying to just shine yourself? Or are you trying to have your team it, shine? You know? Exactly. I mean, you get your, your butt kicked one game. How are you going to respond the next game? Yeah. You know, how are you going to deal with you know, egos, all the same things that you deal with business. So that, looking back, that helped me kind of set the tone for where I'm at today, owning a company. But uh, I had had some struggles. My dad moved to Mexico when I was 12. So it left just me and my mom doing what we do, right? My mom was working her her tail off to put food on the table so I didn't get to really see her a whole lot because now, you know, she's raising me on her own. And uh, I, I harbored a lot of resentment for my yeah. dad moving to Mexico because I didn't know why he moved to Mexico. Yeah. And uh, so from that point on, I, I kind of gave my mom hell as a teenager. And uh, I didn't do well in school. And then At what was, age was that? What age uh, did you kind of start you know, turning? My life was really, really good up until like eighth grade because eighth grade is when my dad was like, hey, I got to drop your mom, your grandma off in Mexico. I'll be back next week. I never saw him again. Yeah. And I didn't oh, know why. Is he in your life now? You know, yeah. And oh. uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm helping him out. Yeah. You know, he's uh, 
he's 70, doesn't have retirement. Um, he had a really good life. He owned a company and yeah. made some, some poor choices, which is why he lives in Mexico. And, you know, it's, it's a full circle, man. Like, he owes me a lot of money in child support. But, you know, here I am helping him out because at the end of the day, he's my dad. You know, yeah. we only have one dad. So for anyone out there that is, is harboring mm. resentment and uh, you haven't forgiven that person that did you wrong, like, you're only hurting yourself. You know, I held on mm. to a lot of negative shit. Uh, hopefully we can cuss on this. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, yeah, if, they, if they're listening to this, they've they've watched the Instagram. There's plenty of cuss words. So, so it's uh, we we all have we all we can choose. Right? Are we going to forgive this person and move on, or are we going to just hold on and, and hold on to grudges? So, um, so you were about 13 or so, 13, something 14, like that. Yep. And then you started what using drugs, hanging out yeah, with the wrong crowds, weed, basically out. you know looking for a group that would accept you, right? When yep. something like that happens in your life, you're kind of looking for acceptance, yep. right? Because something just left the picture, a dad. So you're looking for a group that will say with open arms, yep. come hang out with us. And for whatever reason, it's always the bad groups that have the open arms. <laughs> yeah. You know? You, you, so. hit the nail, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It's, chances are that group is not going to be like a study group that's going to college, right? Yeah. It's going to be a group of, of you know, uh, hooligans that are yeah. up to no good, right? So struggled there. And uh, when I turned 16, I was a junior in, in high so school. So did you do good in school throughout the Or were you just like a DNF <laughs> you student? Know, I, I was or? an A student in middle school, A okay. student in elementary. And, um, you know, I, I, naturally I was able to do well and yeah. uh, not study. But then high school, I stopped caring. I, yeah. I stopped showing up school. Yeah. I started getting Fs. I just stopped trying. Yeah. And um, junior year in school, my, my mom was like, hey, you're going down the wrong path, hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah. So you need to do something different. I have a friend that lives in St. George, Utah, and uh, I, I need you to move out there because you're going to go to school out there and you're going to finish. So you were in California at the time, and yep. then she shipped you yep. to, to, yep. to St. George, Utah to so, go to your junior year of high school? Uh, senior. Senior year? Yep. So I uh, moved out to St. George, Utah. I got a job at Stout Roofing. Shout out to Stout Roofing. If you guys are listening <laughs> to this. Still, they're still there. <laughs> I bet, I've man. I bet. Yeah, they're I got signs. a roofing bid from them last year. Yeah, they're a tight-run tight, yeah. tight run company. Yeah, I know they're really family-oriented, and, and they got a good, they're doing a good right. shop. Yeah. Good. So um, I started working there, and I was making 17 bucks an hour senior in high school. Well, I thought I was balling. Well, you, you probably were. And uh, Man, That's all I wanted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I was making 12 bucks an hour, I was balling yeah. 20 years ago or whatever it was. It had to be, what, 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah so like that. 06. You know, so. Town 06. So uh, I had my own place. I worked full-time, worked 40 hours a week. And uh, at this stage, you know, I was still holding on to the dream of playing soccer. I had no idea what I wanted to do in life. I didn't ever think about owning a business. I didn't know what I wanted to do in, in my career. I just, I want to play soccer. Yeah. And uh, so I graduated high school, ended up getting good, decent grades, graduated. And uh, I was roofing at the time. And uh, I, I finished my first uh, semester of college. I was a freshman at Dixie State. And uh, I only went to Dixie State because they had a soccer team. Yeah. So I played soccer. I finished uh, the, the semester, finished the soccer season, and uh, I was like, man, school ain't for me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know what I want to do. Like, why am I here? So I was really lost, and uh, it was funny, man. I ended up befriending one of the cheerleaders for Dixie State, and uh, her cheerleading coach was having a Halloween party one night. I was roofing the Chili's right here. Is it on the boulevard or is it Chili's? Yeah, it's right off the boulevard. So the job I was doing at Chili's was I was roofing it at night. So during the day, it's open, right? We couldn't do what we needed to do. But at night when it was shut down, I was up on the roof, you know, redoing the roof. 
I was hating life, man, because I was working from 10 o'clock at night to 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, my friend, she's like, hey, let's go to this, this party. I'm like, nah, I got to work tonight. Like, no, I'm, I'm not going. She goes, just come on. So I ended up going, and um, the, the house was Robbie Shavira. And you guys probably know Robbie Shavira. So he had a house here in St. George. It was a nice house. I walk into his house. And I just start looking around the house. I'm like, dude, just this in is, awe. Yeah. I'm like, this is a nice house. And I see Robbie. He comes up to me. He's like, what's up, bro? I'm like looking around. I'm like, man, what do you do for work? He's like, sales. He's like, what do you do? He starts just pitching me. I'm <laughs> like, I roof. He's like, do you like it? I'm like, hell no. He's like, do you want a job? I'm like. Looking around? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, come check it out. So I go to his office the next day. And uh, I walk in the office, and I just see a bunch of dudes on headsets. And I just felt like a buzz. Like, yeah. it's just a natural high. I see a bunch of whiteboards, you know, pinned just up. numbers. Numbers. On it. Yeah. You know, I saw some nice cars outside. I didn't know what they were selling. I was like, but I'm, I'm ready to make this change. So I quit my job as a roofer, and I just got on the floor and then started pitching. I started calling uh, reprints. You know, because when you start off at a sales job, right, they're not going to give you the oh, Glengarry you leads. The bottom, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. So they gave me some uh, some reprints, and that's uh, that's how I got started in sales, man. It's uh, I'm very appreciative of, of getting in the cold call cold calling industry because that helps yeah. that helps the entrepreneurship yeah. side too. Yeah. In terms of you know getting punched in the face over and over, being told no, 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 and just being persistent in you know moving on to the next name or the next phone number with you know the same sense of enthusiasm that you did when you first came in and trying to find that that next cell you know yeah. get the nose out of the way to get the yes so you know what's crazy man i'm i was at the gym last week two separate times in the same week all my son's friends are graduating high school and they come up to me and they're like hey man i just uh i need some advice like how do you get into business and my, my number one advice was get into sales, sales yeah. dude. Yeah. I was like, honestly, I don't care if you're knocking doors. I don't care if you go to a telemarketing company. I don't care if you go sell real estate, some business Cars, services, whatever, whatever it is. Like, to, get into yeah. sales and get really good at it. Yeah. And I don't care if you go to college to get some business degree that might help you, might not. I don't know because I didn't do that. But at the end of the day, dude, if you got to have a good, strong sales background to succeed in business. So. 100%. Yeah, yes. I, that's it's key. So you went into sales, you enjoyed sales, you made good money at sales, I'm guessing, right? That's Yeah, I, I, uh, I rose and I fell real fast and uh, because getting involved in a, a high pace environment like this, you know, everyone's making six figures, right? So I'm yeah. 18 years old and uh, I always dreamed of making 100 grand plus a year, right? Well, if you and made 100 grand, you'd be uh, rich uh, beyond your wildest uh, dreams, I mean, is what I, you think at uh, 18 years 100%, old. 100%. Uh, you know, 100%. that you can have the mansions and all the cars on 100 grand a year, yeah. which we come to find out is That's, not the case. Nope, nope, super uh, naive <laughs> thinking, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was just real dead set on making six figures. Yeah. And before I got into sales, I always wanted to make six figures. I just didn't know what I was yeah, gonna do to, to make that income work. But because of sales, I got into drugs. I got into Oxycontin. Oxycontin was just super prevalent on the sales floor. A lot, of the, a lot of those guys would use Oxycontin to just keep on going like yeah. the Energizer Bunny, right? Yeah. So 18, I get addicted to Oxycontin. I'm making six figures. I've never seen this kind of money in my life, right? So those... The problem you might have been spending six figures. I oh, heard that was yeah. expensive. Oh, I never got into it. It's an expensive one. <laughs> uh, the money goes quick. You know, you before you realize that you even are an at, full blown addict, the money's 
disappeared and then you start looking around realizing like holy shit i'm a, a full-blown addict i have no money now what you know it kind of catches you by the balls pretty quick and sneaks up on you but um same thing same but i was 19 yeah. you know so within one or two years of each other but you know somebody said hey here's an oxycotton right you know and, and i said what's that because 16 years ago or 15 years ago it wasn't known like it is now. Oh, yeah. So what they did is they said, oh, it's just kind of like a lower tab. And I was like, oh, I've taken one of those before. No yeah. big deal. And I took it. And then, you know, day after day after day, it takes you before you even realize that you're taken, you well, know. Well, then also because it's a pill, you, at least I told myself, I convinced myself that I wasn't a drug addict. It's not a big I deal. I was like, no, I'm not doing heroin. I'm not doing coke. I'm not yeah. doing meth. You know, I'm, this is just a pill. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not a druggie. Like, quit judging. But that's just me being in, in denial. But yeah, they're expensive. It was sixty bucks for one eighty pill. Yeah, I was going through one or two of those a day. Damn. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's uh, you know in, in sales when you're young and you get access to large amounts of money when you don't have a whole lot of real world knowledge. You know, naive, right? Um, to the fact of how quickly you can be taken by addiction. So me and Danny went down a, a very, very similar path. Um, how, how many years were you addicted to drugs? Two years. So, and, and then from there, when you finally kicked your addiction, what, what, what made you decide to make that transition? Because usually when you're that deep in, in the hole, you want to get out. You just don't know how to get out of that addiction, right? And a lot of addicts try to you know, get out over and over and over, but they just can't. It just really got a good hold on them. And, and I'm sure you have, you know, people that you used to hang out with that are now dead and gone or in and out of jail still. They just haven't kicked it yet. So what was your kind of turning point in putting that behind you? Yeah, I mean, for anyone li listening to this right now and, and you struggle with addiction, like there's got to be, like you said, a catalyst yeah. to, to get you over the hump. Because yeah. I try to get clean like seven different times. I'd get clean for a week or two, and then I'd relapse, yep. right? So I didn't Absolutely. have a, a strong enough catalyst. And uh, so there's a caveat to this, you know, at 18, making six figures, bought a house, uh, addicted to Oxycontin. And Don't forget then, the Range uh, Rover, dude. Yeah, bought a Range Rover. Then I had a kid, right? And it was with someone that I didn't plan on being with. I didn't plan on having a kid, right? So all of that all happened. You know, I'm 18 years old. And... Uh, I still kept using, you know, even though I had a kid, I, I still kept using. Um, but I remember like it was yesterday, this November will be 10 years that this event happened. But 10 years ago, um, Thanksgiving Day, I was trying to score some Oxy. And uh, everyone that I was hitting up to get a pill, they weren't picking up the phone, right? I mean, they're probably actually like, you know. Doing hang, stuff exactly. with, with their family. Yeah. yeah. You know, but yeah. I'm over here just being a selfish douchebag. Like, yeah. dude, pick up your phone. Like, yeah. I need to get high. Yeah. I'm withdrawing, right? Because yeah. you've feel the physical effects oh, of not yeah. having it, right? You're yeah. throwing up, you get the shakes, yeah. yeah. And no one's picking up the phone. And at this time, my daughter is six months, seven months. And I'm like, dude, what am I doing? Like, it's Thanksgiving. Like, I'm not even home with my family right yeah. now. I'm over here chasing a pill. Like, I just had a, uh, a moment where I just really audited just myself. Yeah, and, of like, and just like, I remember just started crying. I was yeah. just like, dude. This is really the kind of man I'm going to be, the kind of person I'm going to be. And everything happened at, at that same time where I'm like, I forgave my dad, too. Because I'm like, man, you know, just because my dad wasn't in my life, you know, am I really going to be what he was? You know, yeah. like, am I going to do this to my daughter? Right. And uh, that's when I was like, dude, I, I can't do this. Like, I got to be there for my daughter. And uh, 
I'm like, I looked at my daughter. I'm like, man, that's my blood. I'm like, my, I got the same blood as my dad. Like, I, so I just, at that point, I just let go of the anger and the resentment. And then I just focused on just being a better person. And I'm like, you know, for me to get clean, I got to move, you know, props to the people that can get rid of addic- addiction and they stay in the same environment. Yeah. Right? I mean, like a lot of people have to remove themselves from sure. an environment that originally put themselves in a scenario. Yeah. Right? I mean, I moved to Las Vegas. Right, people laugh at me when I'm like, "Yeah, I moved to Sin City to to get clean from oxycontin, to get clean from drugs." But yeah, this November. That's where I used to go to pick them up. Exactly. Yeah, me too. You know, not to run away from yeah. that. You yeah. Know? So I got a new phone number, new city, and uh, started a new life. And this November will be ten years. So you clean. didn't you didn't do like suboxin or so, you know some of this stuff where you kind of have to come down, or did you just you know deal I, with it cold I, turkey? Or I what? did uh, I did suboxin for about a week and a half. Yeah. And, for the people that know what Suboxone is, it's this orange pill that's, I mean, it's maybe the size of a Skittle um, right around there. And what happens is every day that you take it, you take less and less, right? Yeah. So you break this pill apart and you just take you less and less. You let it dissolve under your yep, tongue. Yeah. So it got yeah. to the point where like a week or two later, like I have the smallest of the smallest pieces that I'm yeah. putting in my tongue. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like this small ass piece. I did it the same way. This small ass piece is going to make me get clean. I'm yeah. like, dude, F this. So I just... Uh, you stopped I, taking it. I stopped taking it. I smoked a bunch of weed yeah. for a couple weeks to just yeah. get past the withdrawals. Yeah. Because uh, I'm like, dude, the doctors are telling me or people are telling me to take Suboxone or, or Methadone to yeah. get clean. Yeah. This is just replacing a pill with yeah. a pill. Like, yeah. F this. Yeah. So I, I just stopped doing the Suboxone and just smoked weed for a couple weeks. And uh, that, That's what the it. Suboxone doctor told me. He said, you're supposed to take Suboxone for like six months for yeah. every year you've been using and I told him, I'm like, listen, I've been taking something on a day-to-day basis just to feel normal for the last three years. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to do is then be prescribed something to take every single day for the next year and a half. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And he's, well, you're going to withdraw, you're going to, you know, and then you're going to want to go back to it and, you know, all this stuff. And I said, well, that might be the case for most, but it's not going to be for me. Yeah. I already know what I want. I just needed something to kind of help get me over those first few, you know, four to six weeks and yep. I'm good to go. And yep. I haven't really looked back since. How but, long have you been clean? Um, on July 13th, it'll be, is it 11 years or 12 years? That a boy, man. I, I forgot. I stopped counting. Yeah. So after a period of time, it's just, it's so far in the past that I don't really think about it yeah. that much anymore. I believe it's 12 years because my daughter turns 10 um, this year. So it's but, crazy how similar you. you guys' stories are, man. Yeah. You know? Sells drugs to entrepreneurship. <laughs> Your child, yeah. you know what I you mean? Know, yeah, being that about catalyst. Yeah. yeah, you know. So, yeah. t- tell us a little bit about that. So, after you got clean, did you just go right back into sales? Yeah, or? I went back into selling coaching. So, okay, you know, I always yeah. sold either um, e-commerce, yeah, uh, biz op coaching, or yeah. real estate coaching. Yeah. So okay. when I moved down to Vegas, I started selling real estate coaching, and this is when I got introduced to self-directed retirement accounts. Okay, and I started to learn. Okay, a self-directed retirement account, you can buy real estate. You can purchase a property and flip it. You can have a, a piece of property be a rental unit. So instead of having your retirement account own a mutual fund, it can own real estate? Like, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. So that got planted in, in my head at that time, and I thought it was really cool because a lot of the real estate coaching investors knew about self-directed accounts. So that's how I became aware of it then. And uh, at that point in my early 20s, I always knew I wanted to be in the financial world. 
I did like the um, the idea of learning about stocks and mutual funds and real estate and IRAs and 401ks and stuff like that. It just, it just fascinated me. But I was making good money doing coaching, selling you know what I was selling. Yeah. So that was hard to pass up. When I was 25, so this is seven years in the game of doing it, I, uh, you know, probably three or four years into the game, as I started to learn more about the back end, the fulfillment, um, it started to make me change how I looked at things. Because when I first started selling, like, I didn't know better, right? I'm selling 10 grand, 15, 20 grand packages. I didn't really know what went into it, right? I'm just selling and trying to make a commission. You're just staying in your lane. Exactly. You're worried about picking up that check on Friday, exactly. sell, 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 sell. The fulfillments, you know, whatever happens after the sale happens after the sale. So you're just kind of, again, being a typical sales guy where you're focused on commissions, 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 right? Yep, 100%. And then it got to a point a few years later where I'm like, man, would I sell my mom this? And mm. it didn't take more than a second. I'm like, hell no. Mm. Would I buy this? And that's what made you make the transition? Yeah. I mean, it, I stopped getting a whole lot of value from it. I didn't f get fulfillment from it anymore. Yeah, I'm making good money, but, like, am I really making a difference? Hmm. And uh, at that point, I'm just like, look. I, so making a bunch of money isn't everything. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, your heart has to be in it, right? I mean. I, I, you know, I've, I've told a few people, like, at first, when you're young, it is all always about money. Sure. It's always about money. I want to get rich. I want to make six figures, just like you talked about. That's just the elusive number that everyone's trying to chase, right? If I can make six figures, I'm going to live the best life in the entire world, right? And then you get to the point where you start making six figures, and you're like, is this, this is it? I've made it? You know, and you start really evaluating yourself a little bit and trying to figure out, ways where you can actually instead of fill up the bank account try to fill up your soul a little bit and mm -hmm. start making more of an impact and so then you start focusing less on the money side of things and more on the impact side of things in other words the fulfillment and making sure that you're doing a good job on the back end and fulfilling and making sure customers are happy and then by default because you do that the money side just starts happening right yeah one uh, 100 and, and you have to be willing to take a haircut Right. I mean, I when I quit selling coaching at 25 years old, it was 25. Took a step yeah. back, big oh, time yeah. financially. I, I mean, I was I went from making six figures to not making six figures. Yeah. Right. And uh, luckily, I married a Filipino. Filipinos are cheap as shit. So <laughs> she, uh, I married her. I got with her when I was like 23, 24. So she helped me get a lot more. Um, I'm I'm more conservative now because of her. Right. Before cool. I would just spend money and, and not really have a budget and not look at the numbers. It's okay. There's I mean, more money coming in. Exactly. After, I'll just right? make another check. You, just, you know, you make a couple grand in a week. It goes out. Yeah. You're gonna have another check for a couple grand come back in. For sure. So yeah. because I became a little bit more cognizant of where my money was going. Yeah. I was able to take a step back that year and, and be okay. And then, um, you know, the rest is history. Now it's now it's to a point where the company I'm, I'm a part of is like, man, I have a solo 401k. Yeah. You know, some of my family members have the same retirement accounts that You're I'm practicing e what you e preach. Exactly. I mean, yeah. now I'm cooking. And yeah. I didn't do that before and yeah. it feels way better. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, dude, you got to sell, you got to be selling something that you do believe in. And you get, you figure that out as you get more in the game and you get a little older. I feel like any good entrepreneur, uh, honestly has their heart in the right place and wants to sell something they feel good about. I was just talking about that with Jeremy not too long ago. I was like, dude, I, I tell people when we go to these conferences, these groups, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I believe in what I sell, man. I mean, I use it. Yeah. I use our accountants here. I use, you know, our tax planners, our tax prep guys. Yeah. I mean, I use our service, you know, so I can totally relate with that, dude. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you're listening to this right now and you're selling something that you're not really stoked about, 
and you're doing well with it, like think how much better you could do if your like heart was 100 yeah, in it. You exactly. know, we, you know, okay, we talk about this, like us coming from selling some stuff that we don't feel the best about today. It did teach us a lot, right? Yeah. You know, that's why I have a lot of respect for people door knocking and phone sales, right? Cold calling, you know, knocking on someone's door without them expecting it. Like, dude, you're getting rejected, right? Constantly. People are calling you names. They're yeah. hanging up on you. They're yeah. slamming the door on your face. You're getting way more no's than yeses. But the ability to be able to turn someone around and, you know, get good at reading people and asking questions and just shutting the F up, it, it's it's an art, you know. So I'm grateful. Um, it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know, because of the sales industry. It got me into drugs and, you know, had a kid real early and I had some some down moments but shoot man i uh, there's no college degree that i could have got that actually gave me what i have equaled some of the lessons that you learned throughout this yeah yeah i'm I'm grateful for even even the struggles of addiction you know the reality is um i believe that addicts are very very powerful people um and what i mean by that is Somebody that's addicted to something is the most resourceful person on the planet because they wake up broke every single morning, but they figure out a way to get what they want to get by the end of the day. And they do it every single day over and over and over. And if somebody that's can overcome an addiction like that and utilize that same resourcefulness, but for something positive, something you know like a business, they can be very, very successful. The reality is, is it's just most people aren't as relentless as a drug addict in terms of searching for drugs like a Thanksgiving. Why everyone's in the other room, you're, <laughs> could you imagine if you were in sales, everyone's yeah. like in the other room, you're on Thanksgiving plugging away, like, hey, Mr. Customer, I know it's Thanksgiving, <laughs> but you know, I, I really want to tell you about my product and service, yeah. you know? Yeah. So um, I, I do believe that an addict on the other side of addiction, once they pop out are very, very powerful people. Um, again, it's just channeling that energy and, and channeling that uh, resourcefulness to something positive. But um, one thing I do want to talk to you about, because I've, I've talked about it a little bit more frequently than I have in the past, um, is like entrepreneurship groups or networking groups. Because I do get hit up you know, in the DM and saying, hey, you know, how do I level up in business or in life in general? And we haven't been a part of really you know, entrepreneurship groups you know, as much as you have. And we actually did lean on Danny originally before we joined um, the Apex Apex group, right? And Mm -hmm. asked him, hey, how do you like it? And so far, what are we, you know, two or three months in? Yeah. And we're enjoying the fact of, you know, being around, you know, a group of just people who want to be better and level up and are wanting to be high achievers. And, And when you surround yourself with a bunch of other people like that, it definitely kind of forces you to think bigger and level up. So tell us a little bit about your experiences in, 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 in getting involved into these paid entrepreneurship groups, because some people go to these little, you know, uh, like oh, the, dude, the, the, the small uh, chamber of commerce in their B&I local, yeah, or, you know, some of the smaller groups that are like free or whatever, mm-hmm. and you don't get a whole lot of value. So some people are like, why are you talking about networking groups? Yeah, It's the ones that you have to pay to get into. Because the people that are actually paying, they value that time a little bit more than maybe like a BNI or yeah. a Chamber of Commerce. So, Cal, what was your thought on oh, that? Oh, dude. Oh, I was going to say it's a super weird conversation to have. Like we're going from talking about selling coaching we didn't believe in to becoming a buyer of certain coaching groups. <laughs> you know, but dude, I've, I've had great results from yeah. it, right? So there is great coaching out there. Yeah. And then there is 
not such great coaching programs out there as well. Yeah. So we've been fortunate to be part of some great ones. Yeah, I mean, uh, being a part of Arte and Apex has been a game changer. It, it all started because at the end of the day, like there's really not a lot of people in my family that own businesses. You know, I, I have a tight circle, so I don't really, kn- I didn't know, you know, except really you guys, I didn't yeah. know a lot of people that own companies, had employees, you know, doing, you know, seven figures plus a year in revenue, right? So I'm like, man, I, I got to think bigger. Like I got to, I got to level up, right? I got to surround myself with people that are doing way bigger than me. And uh, so that's where it's funny. Um, I have a hate love relationship with Grant Cardone. So Grant Cardone, uh, I purchased Cardone U for our company a couple of years ago. Yeah. And because of that, I found out about 10X in Las Vegas yeah. last mm-hmm. year. So I went to 10X. And at that time, I heard Andy Frisella and Ed Milette speak on stage. And I didn't even know who these two dudes were at this, this point in time. Mm. And Andy talked about core values. And that, his speech just blew my mind. And then Ed talked about chasing a better you. Like, are you chasing a better you every day? And I'm like, damn. So those two resonated with me way more than Cardone, way more than Ty Lopez or anyone else. So then I started following those dudes on podcasts. I'm like, wait, there's a podcast? Like, I thought podcasts were just like people doing, talking about sports, you know? Or some news. Exactly, exactly. I I was oblivious to the other side of podcasts. I didn't know about audiobooks. You know, at this point, I'm maybe reading one or two books a year if I'm lucky. So I'm really not investing in personal development at this point in time. So then I start following Ed and Andy on podcasts, and I'm really liking what they're talking about. I'm, I'm subscribing to what they're talking about. And then they bring up, hey, we're, we're going to do this program together. It's called Arte. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what it's about, but if you two are endorsing it and you guys are doing it, like, I'm in. So uh, I joined Arte at that point, and uh, through Arte is how I got lined up with Ryan Stuman and, and Apex. And I think, you know, you're right. You, in order to level up, you have to surround yourself with people that are doing it way bigger than you. And I think a good barometer to know which group jives well with you is like, you know, what what are your weaknesses, right? I know last year we're not perfect by any means, but you know, culture, you know, leadership, right? Like, I don't have anyone in my family that owns a business, so I can't just call my uncle and be like, "Yo, hey, how do you what, deal with firing yeah. an employee, or how do you yeah. deal with you know mm-hmm. being a better leader, right?" And uh, so that's why I gravitated toward Ed and Andy. But look at whoever you're following. Like, yeah, making money is important, but are they? Do they have their fitness game on point? You know, are they happy, happily married? Are they in a good relationship? You know, th- those are telltelling signs, right? Like, you almost gotta, betting for sure. Betting for who sure. you're following and who you're kind of buying into. Because you know, as you said, you know, you gravitated towards those guys more so than anybody, but. You know, their podcasts aren't full of like ads, right? They're not trying to make a ton of money just off of their podcasts. They're not selling a bunch of like ebook courses and saying, you know, no offense, like Ty Lopez or whatever might have great courses or whatever. I don't, I don't personally know, but to me, it's off putting because it, it doesn't feel like he's trying to give value first. It's just sell, sell, sell. Same, sometimes with, same with Grant is kind of what I get. And I, I prefer Ed and Andy myself. Right. Those are the only two podcasts that I really listen to, I would say, you know, more so on a religious basis. Right. Like where I kind of look forward to what they're going to come out with next. Yeah. But yeah, like the reason why I wanted to bring that topic up with you is because I you were doing these groups before we were really doing these groups in terms of like Ryan Stuman's Apex group. And, 
you know, like I said, we're only a couple months into the group, but we've already created some great, you know, relationships personally and, you know, business wise. Yeah. Everybody wants to help each other. Everyone wants yeah. to help the business grow. There are guys at different levels that you, you want to surround yourself with and guys want to surround themselves with us because we're at a different level than them. So it's cool, man. It's like, it's almost like a, a ladder, right? <laughs> you get yeah. To the ladder to success is probably through your network, right? And so you're, if you're surrounding yourself with people that are doing it much bigger than you and they're reaching down and helping you and pulling you up, there's going to be some people underneath you that you can turn around and reach down and pull them up as well. But um, guys, I would highly, highly encourage any of you that have ever thought about you know some of these high power entrepreneur groups. If you feel like that there's kind of something missing, like Danny was talking about, he's kind of looking around, he doesn't have anybody to really vibe with or somebody that even understands him. Because I've had the same issue, like trying to go out with like, uh, you know, my wife's friends or whatever it is. Like, I, I, I don't even know what to talk about at dinner, right? Because I just, I feel like my problems are different than their problems because we're on more so the entrepreneurship side and they may be on the employee side. And so they would rather bitch about their employer and I would rather talk about making money, right? So there's sometimes a disconnect when you're just out in the in the real world trying to go to dinner with you know just a regular person there's not a whole lot to you know discuss or a whole lot of uh you know common ground i guess is the yeah. right word for it and so when you're inside of these groups and you're working with these people everybody deals with struggles everybody has their own issues that they're dealing with with inside of their business and it's just nice to be able to be inside of the walls with other people that you feel comfortable and confident that you can disclose what your struggles are in business and then you know actually get real true feedback from people that have maybe already overcome that issue or just having different eyeballs on the problem that might say, oh, well, why don't you try this? And you know, that the, the first one that I did was last month and it was kind of cool just to go around the room and everyone talks about the issues that they're facing and everyone's kind of giving ideas and chipping in like, hey, maybe you should try this or do this. And everybody's helping each other kind of level up and, and overcome struggles because that's one thing that is guaranteed in business is struggles. But what's not guaranteed is the success, right? Or coming out the other side. That's, yeah. that's the big question mark of whether once you go through the struggles, will there be, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel? So um, tell me one thing that uh, you think everybody should know about being a business owner prior to even getting into business for themselves what's a something that you would if you were to create an expectation of an, a young hungry motivated individual wanting to be a, a business owner what what piece of advice would you give that person man it's, it's a toss-up it's it's for me when you when you ask that question first thing that came out of my mind is, is know your numbers but then you know like kale talked about it's can you sell like how's your sales game because yeah. if, if you can create revenue if you can solve problems and you can you know have that gift of gab and be able to generate new business that's what it's about right because selling is a way of life you got to sell to get leads you got to sell to make sales you got to sell your employees on the vision right i mean it's just you got to sell 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 at the same time to go to the next level you got to know your numbers because i know a lot of salespeople, especially me like other than our commission checks, right? We're not really trying to pay attention to the numbers, right? We're notorious for just not checking our bank account, not planning, not really knowing our numbers. Right. Uh, you guys are different cats because you guys are actually legit and you're you know, a tax service accounting company, so you guys 
definitely know your shit, but I know a lot of companies out there struggle. Like, you know, what was your P&L last month? What was your revenue? Where'd you spend your money on? And uh, just really knowing your numbers. The majority of them can't answer that question. No, exactly. What's, it's what's, probably what's, one of the first real big hurdles that you're going to face as a business owner. Because, I mean, you can sell, you can start a business. For sure. You know, but that is one of the big hurdles you're going to come to yeah. first is becoming responsible in that area. Yeah, and, and it, it takes time. And it's not as sexy as getting on the phone and making a sale and getting that adrenaline rush. Um, it's actually the opposite because sometimes you look at the numbers, you're like, fuck. But it's the necessary evil, right? The devil's in the details, right? So you got to know your numbers because, you know, Steeman talks about this all the time. Like, you know, what you, you if you can't measure that shit, how do you know where you're at, right? So mm. it's cash flow projections, you know, forecasting, patterns, trends. You have to spot that out. So I highly recommend that uh, people really know their numbers, know their KPIs. That's good advice, man. Really good advice. Yeah, in regards to, you know, sales and, and, and all that, you know, somebody asks, and we get asked this quite often, like, you guys own easier accounting, so you're a CPA or an accountant? I'm like, no. You know, and there was there was a, an individual that, that reached out, like, what do you mean? You, well, you're not a CPA or an accountant? I'm like, no, we have, me and my partner have a sales background. Like, you can always put fulfillment in place. Yeah. Right. If you're good at sales, you could be the sales side of your business yep. and hire the people who know what they're doing in regards to CPAs or accountants and train them on how you want them to service your clients. And basically, that's what we're doing with easier accounting is we're, you know, out there talking about easier accounting with inside of these network groups. Right. Creating referral partners and creating relationships. And we're the the fuel, but the engine itself, the CPAs and accountants, they're in here on on the back end doing the work and doing the fulfillment. And a lot of people ask the same thing that you're talking about in terms of what should I do if I want to be a good entrepreneur or a good business owner? And I say the same thing. I say, go find a sales job. Go put your head down for like two or three years. Go work in sales because you're going to deal with rejection over and over and over some days you're going to be super motivated and want to put up all the cells and beat everybody. And then some days you're going to come in very unmotivated and kind of half acid or whatever it is. But I think cells is, it, it correlates with entrepreneurship quite a bit in terms of dealing with rejection and having to try to come back with enthusiasm and energy on a day-to-day basis, no matter what happened yesterday, like taking a loss. If you invested 10 grand into something and it didn't work out, you have to show up the next day with the same level of energy and enthusiasm to overcome that loss and continue to push your business down the track. Yeah, there's a big shift too from sales to entrepreneurship, which is like, man, you're not just producing for you anymore as a sales yeah. guy. Once you become an entrepreneur, you're not producing for an entire squad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to bring the revenue for multiple people and you got to bring the leads for multiple sales guys. And so you're out making sales to help your sales guys and help your fulfillment teams. And I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest shifts I think you see is going into businesses. Like you got to get that sales background, but then there is going to be that shift of man, now you're doing it for everybody, not just you. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's people that are relying on, on what you're doing and you're, you're feeding families, right? They use that money for their mortgage payment, you know, taking care of their kids. And, you know, you bring up a good point, Kale, it, it does come down to, yeah, the sales background, but once you go from sales to an entrepreneur, then you have to know a little bit about everything, right? Like 
for me, you know, I don't do all the marketing for us, but I got to know a little bit about it because if I'm spending money on ads and offers and funnels, like I'm not trying to get ripped off, right? Yeah. I have an operations manager that runs, you know, our operations. I got to know a little bit about everything just so I make sure that I'm plugged in. How many in. times have you wasted money to figure out that this doesn't work so you become smarter and more efficient, kind of the process of elimination as a business owner, trying to figure out your business and the marketing strategies that work best for what you do all the time man i mean business is testing right you're yeah. always you're always testing you're in the lab yep. all the time you are always testing and, and that's why back to the original point that we've been talking about is get a job where you fail a lot you know in the very beginning right that's why i'm a big proponent of door knocking or, or cold calling right because when i started selling or on the phone selling right it was i had to call at least 150 to 200 leads every single day yeah, like they're monitoring every your single day. Yeah, right. Go find a job like that that makes you put in the work, makes you fail. So then, I'm a big believer. I'd rather get punched early. Right? I'd rather I'd rather fail early, get punched a shitload. So in that way, at least I can be a little more experienced and and you know have a have a little more wisdom along the ride. Yeah, you become definitely like you know smarter and more efficient you know throughout the process of elimination. Um, you know, a lot of people are so concerned about losing money in business. Like, I don't know if I want to try that. Like, what if, what if it doesn't work? You know, the majority of things that you do try will not work. If there was more things that did work, you, then you could throw money out there and money would just immediately come back. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's only a few things that within sight of your business will actually work for you. And what works for us might be different than what works for you. And that's why testing is so important. You know, some people, you know, on Instagram hit me up and say, what should I do here for marketing or how should I market this? I said, test it. I don't, I, I can't tell you. I'm not, that's not my level of expertise is I'm not a marketing major. I, I don't know how to market apparel, right? Like that's not something that I've done. So I would just recommend for you to go out there and test Facebook ads, test Instagram, you know, and try a couple different ad sets. Try, just try everything because Throughout the process of elimination, you'll find something that does work for your business. And when you find what does work for your business and you double and triple down on that, then all you're doing from there is just really scaling, yep. right? And and the idea here, guys, we're, we're good at sales and that's kind of what we do for our businesses. But you don't necessarily have to have a sales background to be a business owner. Maybe you're the fulfillment side. Maybe somebody's an accountant or CPA and they want to start their own business, but they don't want to be on the front end communicating with people. And that brings another point of hiring people or getting the help in the areas that you're not necessarily an expert in, right? An accountant mm -hmm. or CPA should maybe hire a sales representative to be at the forefront of their company, you know, onboarding clients and doing all the follow-up stuff, right? So you've really got to determine whether you're on the sales side of your business or whether you're on the fulfillment side of your business because it, it, it is difficult to try to do both and do both effectively, right? Um, no matter what side you're on, though, it's a matter of quit thinking and start doing. Yeah, right. I mean, action. so many people are like, dude, you know, they're asking for advice about, you know, what ads to run or how much to invest. It's like, dude, just start doing it, man. Like, I don't know. When did you get to that point you're, to actually start a business? Like, man, start thinking about this financial game and actually just start a financial business you know it was probably about three years ago you know maxed out my wife's credit cards and uh you know just put a shitload of money in the business and uh i've always been one to um take action and and then after think about it i still have a lot of those qualities but 
now I'm, I'm, I'm a little more methodical, right? Because it's like, okay, I have employees that rely on this. You know, I have a, a budget I'm sticking to. You know, when you deal with a lot of money, you do have to make sure that you're doing the right thing, right? Most of it's not going to work, right? But yeah, um, I that to doesn't do, mean throw money. Exactly, like, exactly. Don't be dumb with it. Still, it, yeah, exactly. still evaluate where you're throwing money and 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 do the like we said the tests. Yep. Don't go you know balls deep yep. into one specific marketing strategy without knowing it's going to work, right? Yeah. Yeah, it just—it's gonna take time. Like everyone sees the end result and they think it's just so easy, and there is no trial and error, and uh, it just happens so fast. But that's just a bunch of BS. You Everyone's know? looking for the shortcut. Oh yeah, they, they want the shortcut. There, there has to be one, and that's what they—they they think. But there really is no shortcut. There's no, there's no half-assing it on the path to success, right? Um, somebody asked a question just like three or four days ago. It says. You know, how do you put the writing on the bottom of your videos on Instagram? And I said, you're, you're looking for a shortcut. I said, you literally have to type it in. Google that shit. Like, I'm not smarter yeah. than Google. Yeah, Google it. Yeah. And you'll realize that there's no app that exists that's converting it into the words at the bottom of Instagram. So if you really want a video like that, you have to do the work. You have to actually hand type each word in at the bottom of the video for it to be displayed. But again, people are sliding into the DMs looking for that secret or looking for that shortcut. And I said, I know you're looking for a shortcut because I look too. Yeah. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you actually have to put in the work and type that shit out. Well, like Kale said, it just comes down to action. And I think yeah. if we just reverse engineer it, a lot of people are afraid to take action because they're afraid of what other people are going to think about them or they're afraid of failing. And again, back to having that entry level sales job. If you're knocking on doors, if you're cold calling, you are going to fail a shitload. You're used so to it. So for, for me, I, I'm not afraid of, of failing. And uh, I think that's that's huge. Um, but you also have to recognize that you can't be reckless because then you're, you're going to fail. If you fail enough times without having that home run or that, that you know base hit, you will run out of money and you will run out of business. So you got to be quick to learn and implement, but patient with the results. Yep. The real shortcut is learning from other people, man, learning from other mistakes and, and everybody you'll learn from, whether it's this podcast or another one or the guys at way different levels than us, they, they all say the same thing. The man, they're like, take action, go through failure, learn from it, you know what I mean? And, and you have to be patient, you know, like that's kind of the shortcut. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. I was actually literally going to say that the, yeah. the, the shortcut I do believe in is uh, getting involved with paid networks, you know, yeah. because then you're around other people that have been there and done it, doing it better than you that can share some of their, you know, mistakes. And that way you can learn power, from power, man. You're yeah. the right group, in the right group. There's a lot of power. You, you can be in the right group. You can have the best podcasts that you listen to, the best books that you read, but ultimately it does come down to action. Um, a book that came to my mind when you talked about like, which one am I? Am I the sales or, you know, the kind of the fulfillment? fulfillment. Um, it's called Rocket Fuel by Gina Wickman. And it just talks about a visionary. A visionary is one that's really good at selling, right? That's kind of their MO, the face, right? And then you got the integrator. The integrator is like the the glue, right? They're making sure that the fulfillment and everything is, is on point from an operational standpoint. Uh, best example is uh, Disney, right? Walt was the visionary. Everyone knows Walt, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that motherfucker can sell, yeah. right? He was the, the brand. But no one really knows that Walt's brother was the integrator. Like, he was actually running the business. Like, he was actually making sure that the financials and, you know, the operation, the, stuff the fulfillment, of- exactly. There's nothing wrong with being the integrator, right? You might not get as much shine, 
right? But you still, they're both super important. Exactly. So, you know, anyone that's kind of trying to figure out where they fit, that's a really good book to read to just kind of figure out, you know, which one are you? That's crazy, man. I never actually heard of that book, dude. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. I'm going to pick that up. Be my next read. Yeah, yeah. So people wanted to reach out to you, and did they just had questions in regards to, you know, getting access to money and things like that. You know, where would somebody find you? Um, I'm most active on Facebook and okay. LinkedIn. So that they just type in Daniel Blue, and uh, I'm out in Las Vegas. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Daniel Blue in Las Vegas. And uh, they can always visit us at yourquest.com, Y-O-U-R-Quest.com. They just put in their contact information. Uh, my team would reach out to them and, and help them out. And then they can always just reach out to me directly on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I'm pretty active in responding to DMs and providing as much value as I can. Cool. And if you guys have questions in regards to where to reach Danny as well, you can send us a direct message at Real Business Owners on Instagram. And then we could you know, relay some information over to you where you can get a hold of Danny. But guys, if you've enjoyed this, uh, this episode six of, uh, of the Real Business Owners podcast, make sure that you like, subscribe, tell a friend or family member about it. You know, we love to bring these to you guys. Hopefully you guys are getting the value that we intended to bring to you throughout these podcasts. And again, we appreciate you.